Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. www.worshipministrycatalyst.com Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. And now, here are your hosts, David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of the Worship Ministry Catalyst podcast. We are here with episode 142. 142. And uh, we are continuing a discussion today with Jonathan Malm. And I I have to say, first, we have to say thank you for being on the show. Thank you. But there's also a a higher level of of gratitude, I think, for you today, because you you had mentioned to me this morning that you had a dental appointment. (laughs) And so, so you're fighting through the any existing numbness that remains, and, and you are very still eloquent and intelligible. So thank you wow. for fighting through that for our behalf. Yeah, you're super welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, almost understood all that. Uh, but if, if, uh, if you're listening to this episode, uh, you'll want to make sure to listen to last week's episode, 141. Uh, we just had a great discussion mm-hmm. and a great conversation with Jonathan um, about, Just scratch the surface. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, you know, Jonathan, if I may, um, you're one of those guys I feel like I could just sit and talk to for hours and ne- and, and it would never get boring. Um, you know, and, and I like those kind of people because, you know, there's the kind of people like after 15 minutes, you, you know, you're, you're done. You're ready to move on. Um, like me most weeks on the podcast. <laughs> most, most of the time, <laughs> this guy over here. No. Um but boy, you know, we in one episode we we just covered a little bit, and uh, uh, I was thinking, man, it'd be so cool to you know if you were closer, besides being in San Antonio, Texas, which is several thousand miles from Vancouver, <laughs> Washington. Um, if you were closer, I'm like, boy, I'd love to just go out to lunch with this guy and just like chat with him. So anyway, thank you for uh, what you shared last episode. We talked last episode about, uh, your book created for more. Um, and, uh, this episode, we want to get right into, uh, your other book that you've written called unwelcome. Um, and before we do that, one thing I'm dying to know, how in the world did you write two books in two months? I mean, what was it? Were you at your computer every day typing? Were you taking breaks? Give me the process of doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, really, it's it's kind of unfair to think that I wrote two books in two months because it was not like that at all. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Created for More, I started that probably two years ago. Okay. Um, I, I wrote that and then, you know, went through countless edits. And then last September, I approached Moody about the potential of them publishing it. And they agreed. But then they said, we're going to publish it next September. So that was, I mean, that was, it was, it was pretty much ready to go. And then a year later it came out. Okay. Um, Unwelcome was a much shorter timeline. So, you know, we'd already agreed. We were going through edits, uh, the final edits of Created for More. And then I started writing um, Unwelcome. Uh, then I approached Church Marketing Sucks or Center for Church Communi- Communications uh, about the potential of them publishing it with me. And they agreed, and it was a much shorter timeline. So I wasn't <laughs> intending them to come out in like two months, you know, like a month from each other. It just happened that way, and it's been an adventure. Uh, it's been fun. 
Yeah, yeah, it's like it, it all it all timed out perfectly so you could like dominate the entire <laughs> uh, worship blogosphere. Although, yeah, Jonathan's got this corner in the market when it comes to like the the creative space, and <laughs> and now he's become like the uh, the go to guy. And we're uh, we're honored to have you on our show. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day, taking time post dental uh, work uh, for being on our show. Thank you. Yeah, I got three cavities filled. So like oh. and my whole nose was numb and it was it was oh, all Oh man. <laughs> That's too much Starbucks, too much dessert, right? <laughs> too much. Actually, I think it might be, man. Like I think I had oh my goodness, I think I had 13 cavities somehow. And I I go to the dentist every year. So I don't know if they're just trying to rip me off or like <laughs> maybe I am too much Starbucksing, I don't know. They're like, "Hey, you have If a- they start trying to sell you new air filters, you know, yeah. Right. It's just for profit. Yeah. I was like, can you guys just replace all of my teeth with just with just porcelain? Like I would be fine with that. So I can do whatever I want then. You don't have to worry about you know taking care of them. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to have to brush. <laughs> it's funny, my yeah, my wife had a uh, dental procedure not too long ago. And um yeah, it it it, it was a lot of work. So uh, you know, crowns and all the rest. So thank you uh for <laughs> for pushing through despite all the all the dental stuff. Yeah. So to get in, to get into the book, to get into the book, uh, unwelcome, I, I, I heard you tell the story on, I think it was church mags podcast. Were you just on that one? Is that the one? That was, that was the one I was on. Uh, they published last week. Okay. The one today was church marketing. Sucks. Right. But yeah. on, on, I was listening to church mag, I think on the way in this morning. Um, and, and you were telling some stories about how the idea for the book came about. And I was going to ask, would you mind uh, sharing that same story with us? Oh, most definitely. I mean, I wouldn't mind. I will share it <laughs> and I won't mind doing it. <laughs> most definitely. I do mind. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here awkwardly and look at you. <laughs> but um, so, so yeah, so I, I was visiting a church in the Northeast um, with my wife. Uh, we had some friends that, that went to it and um, it was amazing. You know, I, I, I've grown up in church. I love church. I, I love church. Like I get excited as long as church is effective. I get excited about it. I don't care what denomination, what, what, um, kind of philosophy of ministry, as long as you're effective, I get excited about church. So I walked into this church and it was amazing. I, I, you know, thing after thing was kind of making me want to run for the doors, right? Like, like I don't usually get stressed out. Like I know church, like I know where to go. Mm-hmm. I know the lingo. I know, you know, when I know the, you know, like there's always those weird people in the church. Like I'm expecting that. Like I know that's going to happen, right? <laughs> you're that um, guy at your church, right? <laughs> you're, you're the weird one. <laughs> yeah. We have no weird people at our church. I don't know what to do. So, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, so, um, but it was just amazing. I, I, I counted about 10 things that I was like, man, these guys are just like pushing me away and they don't realize they're doing it. Like they, they really loved me. They were excited that I was there. They they want guests. They want to grow. And I realized, you know, they just don't know what they don't know. Um, so I kind of, I you know, I always take notes whenever I'm at church during the message. And, you know, I was trying to pay attention to the pastor, but then I was also just kind of writing out these thoughts. And um, I realized throughout my time, you know, visiting churches and working on staff at a church, I've seen so many things that churches just, they just don't know. You just, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, someone with bad body odor, like they just go through life and they just don't know unless someone oh, tells them. Right? Sad. No, yeah. but I mean, so are you talking about the guy at the church that has bad body odor or the church itself has a bad body odor? Yeah, that, that's our church. Our church has a weird smell. It does. It drives me crazy. Anyway, I yeah. yeah sorry. Oh, I fully relate to that. We I, When I was on staff at a church, we were in a building that was built in the 70s. 
Um, and it just, every now and then we get that weird smell and we're like, where the heck is that coming from? Like we, we kept it clean. We did everything we could. Um, so we just have to figure out creative ways to make it smell nice. It's like but, the whole, the whole missions committee died in the basement and you didn't know. Buried under a pile of quilts under there. Uh, <laughs> it's actually Jimmy Hoffa we found out, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, so so I just kind of made these li- this list, and I was like, man, there's probably like 50 things. I was just kind of spitballing, and as I as I put them together, I'm like, man, there are about 50 things I can think of. Um, and I use these as a way to kind of launch off. Like my goal was not to just like criticize church, right? Like that shouldn't be your goal in anything you do. Um, uh, it's criticism has no value, right? But mm-hmm. critiquing or helping people change or giving people the opportunity to learn that's good. So I use those as a chance to say, hey, you know, this is, this, is, this is some bad stuff you can do, but here's how you can do things excellently. Here's how you can remove barriers and really engage people in the service and make them feel loved and welcomed and accepted. Um, so that was the goal is, you know, you start with the bad things people do, but then you say, well, here's the opportunity you have. Yeah, and, you know, I was mentioning on the, the last episode, uh, I, I referenced Andy Stanley's book, uh, Deep and Wide. And, you know, there's some there's some stuff in that book that that has really helped my thinking. And I mentioned last episode, you know, just love the title of this book. Great title. And uh, it, it, you know, made me want to just go buy the book. And because I think we all get comfortable, we all get familiar and we all get used to what our church is. And the longer you're there, uh, the more I think you can overlook um, uh, those things. So if you could, you know, without revealing the whole book, so people will actually buy it. Um, if you could <laughs> give us just a couple of, of those, um, maybe a couple of the big ones that people, um, you know, uh, need to think about in their church that, that might drive away, uh, guests. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one of the things, one of the big numbers that you hear in kind of this church world is 80% rule, right? So whenever you're 80% full, that's too full. Like when you're, when you get above that, it starts feeling too full. So a lot of times you can start, you know, you can say, oh, we have, we have seats. We have enough seats. Uh, you know, we have 20% empty seats, but you don't realize that that, that makes people, it's hard to find a seat. You know, there might be one seat and you're with a family of four trying to find seats together. Um, so a lot of times just something as simple as that is having enough seating. Um, you know, making your service times an appropriate time. A lot of churches, they'll start an early service that's like 20% full. And then their second service is like 90% full, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not benefiting anyone. There's not, it's not making new room. It's just making the tw- the 20% full service feel really empty and feel kind of like the, the unwanted stepchild who lives in the basement, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of some of, some of the things like that, uh, you know, reserved parking spaces. It's one of those things, um, you know, imagine going up to Starbucks and you see a parking spot reserved for the CEO and reserved for the lead barista and reserved for the manager. What would that tell you about Starbucks? It would make you think, well, wow, they care more about their cust- their their, um, their employees than they care about their customers, right? Mm-hmm. But then flip that around and see a parking spot that's labeled, you know, reserved for expectant mothers or reserved for mothers with small children. All of a sudden, that changes your whole perspective of the company. You say, wow, they actually really care about people who might have a hard time getting into the building. Um, so a lot of times that happens, you know, with, with churches, you see reserved for pastor. So you think, oh, they really care about their pastor. They don't so much care about me. And it's funny. I've noticed, um, when I, when I worked at a church, I ran across this guy who, you know, used to be in the youth group and it was maybe five years later. And, um, sorry, this is a long story, but I I thought this was good. Um, 
I, I talked to him and, and he said, oh man, I've been, I, I, the other day I was thinking about coming by and visiting the church again, but my brother was like, nah, it seems like they have enough people going to it already. They probably don't, they probably don't have any space for you. <laughs> wow. And like, isn't wow. that a weird thought? Like the, he, he really thought that we weren't looking for new people. Like everything about us is wanting new people. And he got the impression <laughs> that he wasn't welcome there. Like he, he was like, ah, they don't need me to come. Like they're full. Um, and people actually have that opinion of churches. Like they think that it's a, it's a country club that, well, I, you know, I'm probably not invited there and probably not welcome. Um, and you know, little things like not having a parking spot available say, says something huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, like Andy Stanley says, it's the first, what, seven minutes or something. They've decided whether they're going to come back to your church before they even walk through the doors. A lot of people or before they sit down and begin the service It's based on how they were received and welcomed by people. They're, they're either coming back or they're not coming back. Yeah, I went to a, a a conference last year, the Northwest Ministry Conference, and uh, went to one of the workshops where they talked about you know how to make your church appealing, and um, which I you know I really appreciated. And we're trying to do more of that at Laurelwood, uh, which is why I'm like, man, I got I got to read your book, Jonathan, um, because you know just trying to identify what can we do as a church, what can we do as a a community of believers to to be engaging, to be inviting, but ultimately we wanna we wanna be able to have our our doors, our building, be a safe place for people to come hear the gospel. You know, and it's like that's the biggest thing. And yeah. anyway, at the conference, this guy was saying that kind of what you were just mentioning, David. People oftentimes before they even the service begins, they've already made up their minds if they're gonna come again. And and the guy at the conference was saying. A lot of times, it even it you know uh, it will even be the bathroom. You know, like like you know, a, a mom will go in the bathroom uh, with her child, or they're going to change a diaper or whatever, and, and there's nowhere to change change the diaper, or the bathroom's disgusting, or it smells weird. And you know, if you're there for the first time, you know, it's like that can really have a, an impact. Mm-hmm. That can have an effect on you. Just going to the bathroom or or trying to help your child go to the bathroom uh, can can be that moment where you say. Wow, I don't know if we'll be back here. You know, so it's it's those little things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was going to ask if if you had to choose, you know, if you could recommend, you know, what what are the top three things that are attainable? You know, like I, I get the service time thing, but that's probably a, a a big discussion and a big decision for a lot of churches to change service times. What would be what would be you know maybe the top three things that somebody listening to this podcast could go to their, to their usher and greeter team, their welcome team or, or whatever it is and say, Hey, if we make these three adjustments, we're going to have a lot better, a lot better chance of, at having a welcoming atmosphere for the people to walk through the doors. Yeah. So probably the first one would be, um, avoiding turning your lobby into a greeter gauntlet. Um, <laughs> ah. So, you know, I imagine the, uh, the American, you know, remember that show American Gladiator? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I used to love yeah. watching that. Whatever yeah, happened so, to that show? <laughs> well, they made, they did a revival, but I don't know that it went, turned out so well. But, oh, it's American um, Ninja Warrior now. They just, they oh, just changed yeah, the focus. <laughs> no, that's where, that's <laughs> where it went. I not like it at all, but I love the show. But yeah, so, the, you know, in that, in that show, you had the gauntlet where you had, you know, a bunch of these gladiators and you just had to try to make your way through. And everyone was trying to, you know, everyone was a little an obstacle trying to keep you back. And sometimes you can get that with churches where you have, you know, you have your person holding the door for you. You have the person giving you the bulletin. You have the person shaking your hand, the person asking you this, giving you this, giving you that. And it can be so overwhelming. 
when you come in. Mm. Um, it's funny that you say that because at a church I was at, I won't name the church, <laughs> but um, the, there was there was a hallway that was only about six feet wide. And, and the, the head greeter would stand there. And from time to time, he would invite, uh, you know, the teams from the school that was at the, at the church to, to come and greet with him. So, so you would shake his hand and then you would literally have to shake the whole basketball team's hand <laughs> or the whole cheerleading squad or like the whole football team. And so people started avoiding that hallway because they didn't want to have to shake 40 hands before they got to They're the like, main I'm, lobby. I'm going to a church. I'm, I'm going to another insurance into this church. <laughs> And then they're all patting you on the bum. Good game. Good game. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So, and that's one of those things you have, you know, you have a lobby where there's already going to be people saying hello. There's mm-hmm. already going to be people milling around and kind of like congesting the area, right? So one of the things I recommend is, you know, only put greeters at places where they have to make a decision. So, you know, at the door, they have to make a decision. Do I use this door, or this door? Do I push? Do I pull? That's a decision point. Put a greeter there. Um, you know, whenever the, I worked at a church, the lobby split off. It went to the right was the bathrooms and to the straight ahead was the church. So we would put a greeter there just to let people know, hey, you know, this is where you go. We kind of usher them into the church, into the building. Oh, you're looking for the restrooms over to the right. Um, so any any point that there's a decision point, put one there because uh, that's a good use of greeters. But a lot of times you just, you know, stuff your lobby full of greeters because you think that's inviting but that can be intimidating for people. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the next one is not being so over friendly. So one of the things that immediately turned me off in the story of how I started this book was the, this older lady, she was so nice, so sweet. She, 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 you know, she greeted me at the door and she shook my hand and then she pulled me into a hug. And I'm like, oh. okay, we're getting, we're getting a little bit close here, but okay. I get it. I'm, I'm a Christian. You no, know, this is like the, the church thing to do. You hug people. So got it. But then she put her cheek against mine oh. and said, so kind of whispered to my ear, so glad you're here. Um, and, and you've never met her before. This is like I've her... never met her before. This is my first time at the church. Like, <laughs> and that, so that was one of those things I was like, you know, that's, that's not necessarily appropriate in American culture. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, just kind of monitoring that some people don't even want to shake a hand. You know, if you have sweaty hands, if you deal with sweaty palms, it's kind of intimidating to shake someone's hand. So, mm-hmm. uh, teaching your greeters how to, how to gauge whether or not someone really wants to be greeted or whether they want just kind of want to be left alone, just, you know, waved at, um, looking for ways, looking for social cues. One of the things they recommend is, you know, I think actually this might've been in an Andy Stanley book, but the people you want on your greeting team are the people who work in retail, the people who are used to selling, who, who are used to working with people, dealing with people, who understand how to read people. Get those people on your greeting team. Um, you know, some of your maybe more awkward people, maybe they don't want to be, you don't, you don't want them to be on the front door, you know, the, the front <laughs> lines, the first people. Someone, uh, I think my wife mentioned this to me, and this was crazy. I realized that the people that you see the first, the people who have the most impact on people are often not even on staff. You know, like the parking team, the greeters, they're the ones who make your, you know, that first seven minutes that makes your first impression. They're not even staff members. Right. Yeah. Yep. Like that's crazy. Like mm-hmm. that your, your, your most effective time at reaching people is all volunteers. Um, so make sure you get really good, good volunteers and make sure you train them. Um, that was two, but I think that's probably like the, those are probably some keys right there. Okay. You know, it, and it's funny you mentioned, uh, that whole concept of, uh, not being overly friendly and and it's weird. It, it almost sounds counterintuitive, right? Because you know the the whole thing with church is like, oh, we, you know, we want to be loving and and gracious and kind and inviting and warm. And you know, at our church, uh, you know, at Laurelwood, we you know we we kind of 
um, like to think of ourselves as a loving church. And, and you know, that that's one of, I think, the, the hallmarks of our church it kind of in our DNA is built this idea of we care for each other and love each other, but um, it can go too far. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I've seen it happen. We, mm-hmm. we used to have this guy who wonderful one. It, uh, I know who you're talking oh, about. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, wonderful guy, but he, like he would go around hugging everyone. And, mm-hmm. and like we discovered that there were people who felt genuinely uncomfortable that would literally avoid him uh, so that they didn't have to hug him, you know, and and you know, finally mm-hmm. having to have a conversation with him and say, "Hey, listen, let's not do the hugging thing. It's starting to creep some people out, you know." <laughs> and and again, you know, great guy, wonderful heart. Um, but I think that's just a great example of how not everyone's there, you know. And and I'm sure for this guy, he's like, "Well, who wouldn't want to hug?" You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but but just a great example of okay. Uh, reading the social cues, understanding not everyone is there, because uh, that can be a, very much a, a turnoff, a distraction uh, for someone who's especially new to your church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and one of the things you know, you talk about being a friendly church, and I don't think there's such a thing as an over friendly church. There is such a thing as over friendly greeters or over friendly pastor. Mm. You know, whenever you go to a used car lot. If you see customers and the customers are talking to you and being, you know, super friendly, you don't think anything of it because they're not trying to sell you something, right? But yeah. if, if you get the, the used car salesman who's like, oh, how's it going, hugging you and, you know, just like doing this, you're like, okay, what's this guy trying to sell me, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing is in everyone on your staff or you know, everyone on your team, they're kind of professional people, right? Like their job is to greet you. So if they're being over friendly, you're like, well, this is, first of all, it doesn't feel friendly because that's their job. And then um, it's just when it gets too far, it's like, whoa, dude, chill. Like, I just want to go to my seat. But then whenever you get a random, you know, a random person who's sitting next to them saying, hey, how's it going? Great. You know, asking them questions about their kids. That all of a sudden feels super welcoming. Right. So, yeah. So I don't think there's such thing as an overfriendly church. There's just overfriendly or, you know, overbearing greeters <laughs> and pastors and stuff right. like that. Well, uh, then- I mean, except, except for the guy who maybe went around hugging, even if he wasn't <laughs> You might temper that a little bit. Yeah. No, but and that is a great distinction. It's true because I think you can have caring people in your church who who um you know versus like you know versus the the I show up, I sit down and church is over, I get up and leave. If you have an entire building full of those mm-hmm. people, it comes across very cold. Uh, yeah. versus if you have people who, you know, hey, I come a little early, you know, I hang out at the coffee, the coffee. In the Northwest, every church here has yes. has like a coffee bar. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. I don't know what it's like in San Antonio, but uh, yeah, here in the Northwest, it's like, I, I think every church, <laughs> every church at least I know of has some sort of coffee bar area, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, hang out uh, after service, you're chatting a little bit. I think that's a great distinction, Jonathan, uh, versus you know, the, the pastor or the, the used car salesperson or, or the one individual who is being overbearing. So mm-hmm. good, good distinction there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I really appreciate not just the content. I appreciate the attitude and the spirit with which you're, you're sharing the content. You know, you said early on that, that criticism is useless, but critiques are helpful. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I appreciate that because it's, I don't know if it's, if it's just more now and, or I'm just noticing it more now, but it, the criticism and critical people seem to be at, at an all-time high. There's a plethora of them around, right? There's plenty of people that just think that it makes them smart or, or whatever to be critical of everything. 
Um, and, and that doesn't get us anywhere. But if we're critiquing for the purpose of helping and, and making something better because we care deeply about it, mm. then that's entirely different. And that's the attitude I get from you. That's the spirit I get from you about, about how you're delivering the content. So I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things. I think it's really getting ingrained in our culture is the idea that our opinion somehow matters or that <laughs> our job is to create villains and heroes. I mean, our, our political system is made to do that. You know, right. we have we have our, we have a, this part, this candidate and this candidate. One of them is a villain and one of them is the knight in shining armor. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that. And that's the way we're, we're kind of postured to vote. But unfortunately, they're probably both villains like or they're both knights in shining armor, you know, like. <laughs> Either, you know, we, we so often are, are quick to make someone a villain. And our news does this too. You know, like they can't report a story. Someone has to be responsible. Someone has to be the bad guy in the story, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we're just kind of positioned to, to do that, to make people into villains, into bad people and bad guys. And to, you know, oh, they're doing this, they're doing this. But really our job is to love people. Our job is to encourage people. That's really all Jesus called us to do. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you know, f- real quick, funny you mentioned that about the the political um, villain thing. Yesterday, in the mail, on the same day, I got a, a full eight and a half by eleven glossy from one party saying how you know this gal running for senator is you know doing all these things, and then literally that gal attacking uh, the other one, and I'm like. Did they plan this? Did they coordinate having a mailing on the same day where they were both literally attacking each other for the same thing? Anyway, cr- crazy. It just you, it reminded me when you said that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is. Well, it's like my eight-year-old daughter asking me about uh, Measure 92. It's like, well, are we supposed to be for it or are we supposed to be against it? Because she's seen so many commercials going both ways back and forth yeah, well, and last which is, month. Which is funny because 92 <laughs> is an organ measure and yeah. uh, here we are in Washington. Right, and so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, yeah. We're, we live in Southwest Washington and so our, our uh, uh, TV media um, is in the Portland area. So we get tons of commercials for organ measures that mean absolutely nothing to us. Yeah. But and anyway. no information about our measures that we're actually, I know I'm like, I don't even know what our measures are. I'm like having to look through my ballot. I'm like, wait, what is this? Like, you know, SB dash one, one Oh five. I don't even know what that is. Anyway. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for taking time out of your day, your busy schedule to, to be on our podcast, share with our listeners. Um, we, we have a heart for the same thing for from what I hear from you for for creativity for the church and we like you we want to see the church thrive and that's what we've been about for six years now and uh, just happy to happy to engage with more people across the country who are getting on on the same bandwagon and and let's resource the church with as much as we can to to go out and and uh, push back on the gates of hell right mm, yeah awesome definitely. So, all right, that's it for this episode. Episode 142 is in the can. So you can uh, find us online, www.worshipministrycatalyst.com, facebook.com slash worshipministrycatalyst, twitter.com slash wmcatalyst. You can send an email to david at worshipministrycatalyst.com. Or kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And you can leave us a a voicemail at uh, country code 1, area code 360-818-4339. And Jonathan will give you the final word to give your information and a final word of encouragement for our listeners if if you have one. Yeah, find me on Twitter at Jonathan Mom, Facebook at Jonathan Mom, Instagram if you want at Jonathan Mom, or my web address is jonathanmom.com. And let me spell my name for you because uh, it's Swedish based. So it's J O N A T H A N, then M like Mike, A like Alpha, L like Lima, M like Mike. Uh, so that's where you'll find me. 
And I just want to encourage you, uh, just always remember the why behind what you're doing. You know, it's so, it's so important and it's something you have to constantly evaluate. Why are we doing things the way we're doing them? Um, you can do the best things, but if you don't remember why you're doing them, it just becomes lifeless traditions and lifeless things that have no value, no life-changing um, value to your community. But remember why and just be passionate and just go for it. Cool. Good stuff. Yeah, thanks so much. We will talk to you again soon. Have a great week. Bye.